Last week, on Hope for Amy. I go and I change her diaper and I sit her in her bed and then my son is in his room. So I walk back there and uh, he's, I said, call your grandma right now because he had his own cell phone at the time. I'm like, call your grandma right now and tell her to get here. They're going to take you guys into foster care. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey. This week, we continue with Hope for Amy. If you haven't already heard part one, Go back and listen to that first, so you can get the whole story. If you've already left us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever your personal platform is, we really appreciate it. It helps a lot. If not, if you have an opportunity to go leave us that rating and review, it would really help. Also, be sure to swing by and visit jasonmpalmer.com. All the podcast episodes are listed there as well as a blog and some other information. If you're interested, we have a Facebook page called Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey, so you can find us there, and it's an easy way to get a hold of us. If you have a story or would like to be featured on the podcast, contact us there. It's time to jump into the story. And I thought that if my mom was there, that maybe she they could go with her or something, you know? And so... He called her and he's like, he's like, he calls her Baba. He says, Baba, the cops are at the house. They raided the house. Can you come here and get us or we're going to go into foster care? And so like she, um, I guess it was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming. And she's about 30 minutes away. And so by now, like children's, the cops have called children's vision and they've showed up and they're like, you need to pack each of your kids a small bag. We're taking them, you know. And I'm trying to remain calm for the kids. Like, I don't want my son to see me upset. So I go and I pack them each, you know, a couple outfits. And uh, they're like, the lady's there. And she's like, we're taking them into foster care. And, you know, and the cops and children, they're all disgusted with me. Like, you know, and they're like, we're uh, taking the kids. And uh, I'm just like, where are you taking them? I'm like, my mom can come and pick them up, you know. And she's like, no, we're taking them right now out of the house. And, and they're going into foster care. And, you know, and I... And this was like the ultimate low for me because I had always said, you know, I may be a drug addict, I mean this, but at least I still have my kids. And now here it was, here was my rock bottom. My kids were being taken. And so they took the kids. My mom didn't get there. I and mean, even if she would have gotten there, like, you know, the state was taking them. It wasn't going to be a thing where they were going to be like, oh, okay, you watch it. You know what I mean? Um, it was just like wishful thinking for me. But so they take me to jail. Um, I, like I said, I had this dog that had just had puppies and they raided my house, tore my house apart, and then they locked the door with the doll, these dogs inside the house, like, and it just, it was just awful. So I get to jail, and um, I was pretty calm, I guess I was kind of, I mean, I knew eventually it was going to happen. When I first started messing with, like, manufacturing and selling drugs, when I really got into the more, not just recreational using, uh, there was this, this friend of mine that was like, look, I can see the path you're taking, you know, and, and, and I'm an addict, and I, I, I'm not going to tell you, you know, what's right and what's wrong. He's like, but one thing you, de- you need to know, he said, Amy, when you choose this lifestyle, he's like, part of it is going to be jail time. You know, that, and if you can't accept that, you need to get, check yourself into a rehab or go a different way right now. Because if you can't handle that, that's part of this. And that always stuck with me, you know. And I always knew, I always knew, like, eventually, eventually it was going to happen. And I had been arrested before, you know, um, 
like I said, I got caught up in Illinois early on, you know, and my dad bailed me out of that trouble. And then I had a couple probation violations and, um, you know, it was drug charges, but it was nothing that was ever serious enough that it put me away. You know, I, it was always far enough spaced apart or I could get an attorney. It was always, I was always able to not get out of it, but get out on probation and some community service. And, and, um, this time it was going to be, you know, I, when I was selling it, I was always like, man, you know, and I can remember there would be times where I would like hide the drugs outside. I would stash my money and my drugs in a hole outside and, and, um, thinking like it's going to happen. Like, you know, and I, I, there were so many close calls, you know, so many close calls. One of the, the drug dealers that I used to get it from, uh, called me up one day and he's like, listen, the feds got me. They know everything. They had my phone tapped and they have me and you on a phone tap. And, and, um, and then, you know, the, it was just, there's so much just craziness, you know? I mean, if I, if I could tell you guys everything, we'd be here for forever. We would. Um, but I, it was just enough, like, they got this guy, and I was down from him, you know, and they were trying to move up the chain, you know, and I was, I was lower, and so I lucked out in that, you know what I mean? But, but it was a close call. Like, the feds had, had my phone on, on a, you know, recorded conversations, and, and uh, this guy ended up going away, and he's like, look, they're going to contact you, you know, and he's like, and if they do, and they want you to, t he's like, I'm going to take this to trial, and they're going to want you to testify against me, and he's like, listen, I just want you to know, if it'll save you, if they're going to charge you with something, testify against me. I'm not going to think you're a snitch. I'm, if, you know, you have a family. Do, do what you have to do. They've got me already. And uh, it didn't come down to that, thank God. But it was scary, you know. And you'd think at that point, knowing that, like, the feds know what I'm doing. They know I'm buying drugs from this guy. And they know he's pretty high up there. But that would have been like, okay, you know. But I couldn't stop because, because the bills had to be paid. Because how was I going to get high if I, you know what I mean? And so I kept doing it. And I think maybe that's like where, that was probably like the beginning of the end for me. Um, because I was probably, they probably threw the case over to the states. So the state's like, okay, there's, you know, some drug sales going on here. And um, I got put under investigation and the house got raided. So back to that. I get to jail and my boyfriend is there and he's like, did they find anything when they searched the house? And he has no idea how much dope I have in the house. And I'm like, yeah, they, you know, yeah. And he's like, what'd they find? And, and it's through this glass wall. And I'm trying to like tell him, you know, holding my fingers up and, and he's thinking like two grams. He has no idea. And then I heard him talking about like a trafficking charge and I'm just like, oh my God, this is just going to be all bad. And uh, they ended up getting me with distribution, possession, distribution, and uh, child endangerment. And that child endangerment was a bitch, you know, that the drug charges, you know, but the child endangerment, that one like stung really bad, you know, because I felt like I was a good mom. You know what I mean? I fed, my kids were fed. They had everything they needed. Um, and then some, but I wasn't there. I was physically there, but like, I wasn't doing what I should have been doing to take care of my kids. I wasn't teaching them anything. I was, you know what I mean? I was, we were having this tox toxicity in front of them and, and it was, it was no good. And I just didn't see that at the time. I justified it by they have full bellies. They have, you know, a, a, they're bathed, they're clean, but there's more to being a parent than feeding your kids and, and cleaning your kids. There, there's a whole lot more to it that, that you just don't see when you, when you're living in this fog of addiction. So we're in jail, and I know that I'm there for the long haul. I'm thinking there's no way I'm getting out. I have, like, a huge bond, and he's got a huge bond. And I know my dad's not going to bail me out this time, you know. It, that wasn't happening. And my my boyfriend's best friend had been going through chemotherapy, and, and he always took him there and had developed this good relationship um, with his parents. And so we're in jail, and um, his best friend's parents bonded him out. 
they were like, you know, they, they saw the good in him. I, I don't know. They saw the good in him and they were like, okay, this is Jimmy's best friend and we're going to bond him out, you know? And so they bonded him out. And, uh, after being in there like eight days and when we were in jail, there was like the boys and girls pod were right next to each other. And there was this door that separated them. You could slide notes under this door back and forth if the guard wasn't looking. And so we were able to like pass notes back and forth, you know? And, uh, Anyway, so one day my, a note doesn't come back and I'm like, why didn't he slide me a note back under the door? And then somebody's like, hey, your, your boyfriend made bond. And I'm like, no way. There's no way. Because I'm thinking, who does he have that's going to bond him out? Like, my parents certainly didn't bond him out. And so I end up getting a hold of my mom on the phone and she's like, Donnie got out of jail. And he said that he's going to have you out within 24 hours. And so he got out and he started, he sold this car trailer we had. He just started selling all, all these things that we had accumulated from from trading for drugs and what have you, you know, we just, it's just a, like a whole garage full of junk, seriously junk, stuff, whatever. And so we started selling tools and, and all this stuff that we had accumulated and um, posted my bond. And so now we're out and we're like, okay, we got to get the kids back. Now I got out and like the first thing I did was get high. And honestly, I remember getting out and being on the way home and he's like, and someone else had, like, co-signed on the bond, okay? And he's like, hey, so-and-so has some dope if you want to get high. If you don't want to, you know, that's fine. He's like, but if you, you know, and it was like, well, part of me didn't want to because I knew that the shit had to change now. Now I've hit rock bottom. Now I don't have my kids. And that was, like, the ultimate thing for me, you know what I mean? That was, I was so judgy about, like, that. Like, they lost their kids. What the fuck's wrong with them? You know, how, how can you not, how can it get to that? And I used, and... And then the next day, it's like, okay, I call Children's Vision. I'm like, hey, what do I need to do What to get my kids back? And they were just, like, shocked that I was out of jail. Like, you know, nobody could believe it. And so for, like, a week, we got the runaround. Nobody knew what to say because they were pretty sure that we weren't getting out. And so then it's like, oh, great, what do we do? And so finally, they're like, okay, here's the thing. You can have, like, a, a half-hour supervised visit, but you have to go to the juvenile office first and uh, they want to talk to you there and then come up to Children's Division and we'll let you see your kids. And so we are on the way to the juvenile office and I'm like, I wonder what they want to see us up there for. And he's like, hopefully they're not going to do a drug test on us, you know? We're like, yeah. And I'm like, no, surely they won't. So we get up there and the lady had been called out on an emergency or something. So we go up to Children's Division and we're like, yeah, the lady we're supposed to talk to wasn't there. So that, you know, they told us just to come up here. So they let us see the kids. And then Afterwards, I was like, so why did we need to go there anyway? And uh, the caseworker was like, well, they wanted to drug test you. And it was just like, oh, shit, you know? And so we went home, and my boyfriend was like, you know, that's it. He's like, we can't use anymore. He's like, we've been bugging them. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? And he's like, and now they're letting us know, you know? it's That's it. We can't use no more. And it was funny because, it's not funny, but right before we had left the house to go to do that, you know, to have that visit with the kids, I had... I had one shot of dope left and I just wanted to do it so bad, you know? And I remember being in the bathroom and I couldn't find a vein and I'm just like furious. I'm so furious that I'm crying. And then it's just like, finally, I just threw it down and like, God, please help me. You know, and like, that was my, that was my moment. Like, please, God, help me, help me. You know, like, what do I do? I had the syringe and it's all filled with blood and I couldn't get it off and I still couldn't get myself to throw it away, you know? And anyway, so we come back and he's like, you got to throw that away. We got to be, this is it. No more, like no more. So I threw it away and that was going to be it. That was it. And that was it for me. I, I, to this day, I haven't used that was almost three years ago. Um, 
he was a heroin addict. So here now we're like, okay, now we got to start a new life. We've, we've got to do something. And, and our main objective is we've got to get the kids back. You know, we are not going to lose the kids. And so we stopped using like three days went by and he was really ill. I mean, it was hard for me. Like I, but the withdrawals weren't as serious as the heroin withdrawals were for him. He would be going down the street and I would be worried to death that he was going down the street to this house to get drugs. And we, you know, and I would be harping on him and harping on him. And then finally he's just like sick. And I didn't understand how sick he actually was physically. He says, I can't do this on my own. I don't want to leave you by yourself to do this but I can't do this by myself with, with you nagging at me, with the way I feel. He's like, if I want to be successful in this, I've got to go check in somewhere. And so he, we called around, he found this place up in Hannibal that he could go to and detox and, and in a rehab. And so he went and he had called children's vision, you know, cause we were having to do these meetings or whatever. And he says, look, I'm not going to be present for a little bit. He's like, I have to go check in. And they were like, Oh, well, it's something, you know, about them wanting him to do that. And he's like, I'm not doing this for you guys. He says, I'm doing this for me. This is what I have to do, you know? And so he went and, uh, he detoxed there for, I mean, I think he was there for like five days. He's going to stay for the whole, the whole thing of it. But, um, then they were like, you can't have any cigarettes. And he's like, come and get me right now. He's like, I'm, I'm through the worst part of it. I'm through the, you know, five days The I'm through the worst part of it. If I can't have a cigarette, I'm going to lose my mind. He said, come and get me. So those five days I was without him. Um, I can remember, you know, trying so hard not to use. And I didn't, but I remember I called my stepdaughter and I'm like, can you come over here with me? Um, he had a daughter when he was like 19. So I have a stepdaughter that's only eight years younger than me. But so she came over and we watched movies and just watched movies and movies and movies. And, you know, I got, I got through that and he got out and I hadn't used. And so now we've both almost got a week clean. And I remember they, they were like, okay, you got to go up here for this drug test. And we were like, damn, we've got this. You know what I mean? Like we're actually going to be able to pass it. So we went up there and passed that drug test. And I just remember like feeling so proud, like, oh my gosh, you know, it's the first time in 20 years I could have passed a drug test. I mean, and I had been on probation before where they would drug test me and I always weaseled my way around it. I would take fake pee in with me. I would stick it inside me. And you know, it, it, I was, you were an addict. You can come up with anything to get by with what you're doing, anything. So it, that was like the beginning of the good part for me. So then they're like, we're like, what's the fastest way we can get our kids? Like, we just want to know what's, what do we have to do to get them home quick? And they're like, look, you're going to prison. The odds of you guys going to prison are, you know, we can't just give you these kids and then you go right back to prison. So we had gotten this criminal stuff. We both had the same charges. I think he had like one extra possession charge for the heroin. And it was, it was stupid because they charged us both with the methamphetamine distribution. And that like, I'll take the blame on that one. That was, and it wasn't like I was just taking the blame. Like he knew I had a little bit of drugs in the house. He had no idea that, you know, like I said, he had, I told him to leave. He was gone for a week and came back anyway. So now we've got these serious criminal charges and, uh, we kept bugging children's division. What can we do to get them back? We just want to get our kids back. You know, we're going to quit using drugs. And we thought, because we had a week clean, like, you know what I mean? And, and that was a big deal, but you know, you have to prove yourself. And it wasn't a big deal then, but we we still had the train of thought of an addict. You know what I mean? We want, we want what we want when we want it. And that's now. And we haven't done drugs for a week. So give us what we want because that's a huge feat, you know? And so there was this gentleman up at Children's Vision that was like, okay, look, I think the best thing for you guys is this program called um, 
family treatment court. And so he says, go up to the courthouse and talk to this lady about it and see if you qualify. So we went up there and we talked to this lady and she's like, okay, you know, if you guys want to do this, I'll let you do it, you know. It was um, a very intense program. We had to go in front of a judge like every other week. You're required to drop uh, for a drug test sometimes up to five times a week, you know, anywhere from three to five, six times a week. Um, You have to attend uh, outpatient three days a week, three hours a day. You have to see a counselor. There's all these things that, you know, and it keeps you busy. And then you have to have a job now. I mean, that was something I hadn't had in, in a while since I had gotten fired for the laundering money at my last job, you know. And he hadn't worked a job in as long as I had known him. He sold drugs. That's, you know, that's what he did. That's what I did. So I, I, there was a friend of ours that had this automotive company, and, like, I would occasionally do book work for him, you know, like it, his income and outgoing. I, I would occasionally um, help him out with that. Like at the end of each month, he had to come up with this log that was, these are my expenses and, and this is my income and what's the difference. And so I would sit down and go over that. So I was like, well, that's a job. And then it was technically, but it wasn't like, it was pretty much, I would go at the end of the month and help this guy out for a few hours. And that was that. But, um, so he wrote this paper saying, okay, you know, she does work for me this. And so that like was good enough at the time. They're like, okay, it, it's income coming in. But it wasn't enough income to support the family. And uh, my husband struggled with getting a job for a while because um, a lot of it was because he was really down on himself. He had done drugs for so long, and now he had to support a family, and he didn't have a degree, and he didn't know what to do. It, you know what I mean? And so his self-esteem was just was really, really low. So we're going through this family treatment court, and we're sl- we're making progress. We're not using. At first, it was just about not using, you know, and, and we weren't using. And I'll tell you, being bored was a big trigger for me. When I got bored, I didn't know what to do. And before, if I didn't know what to do, I got high. I got high if I felt bad, if I felt good. if I, It didn't matter, you know, I got high. And it was, there was usually never a shortage of drugs for me, so it was not a big deal. So now, it's like, man, we have to... Um, find something to do so that we don't want to get high. And we were broke because we didn't have any money coming in and our internet had been shut off. And you know what I mean? So we went and got library cards and (laughs) we went to the library and you can check out movies at the library, not the St. Charles County library. You can get a shopping cart when you go in there and fill the shopping cart up with movies. And we would check out, I kid you not, we would, we would stroll through the library with our shopping carts and we'd have like 60 movies. I mean, and we would check them out and that's what we did. I mean, that's how we stayed clean. We would go to the library and we would rent movies and, and we would watch shows and that's what we did just to keep our minds somewhere. You know, you got to keep yourself busy. You can't, you can't have that idle time, and, and we didn't have money to go do things. So, so we, I mean, that, the St. Charles County Library, and, and then eventually, you know, we had library card in two different counties, and it was like, I mean, that was a big part of my recovery, honestly. Going and, and keeping myself busy, and there's programs that they offered, and it was stuff that, like, before we would have never thought twice about, but, you know, it, it was something. And so then... You know, we, we were slowly making progress. And then before I know it, 30 days had went by. And then 60 days had went by. And then they're like, okay, look, in our treatment group, they're like, you're going to have to start getting a couple of NA meetings. I'd never been to an NA meeting. I, hell, I didn't even, I'd heard of AA, but I didn't know, you know, what NA was. And um, so I remember going to my very first meeting, and there was these people there. And it was kind of, you know, strange for me. Um, but everybody was so nice, and they were so welcoming. And and at first, I just had to, they're like, you have to go to these and get this paper signed. So I started going, and I started getting this paper signed. And I started kind of liking it. Like, there was these people there, and, and it was crazy because, you know, people tell their stories there. And, uh, 
And I thought, there's no way that anybody's near as fucked up as I am. Like, some of the stuff that I've done and this and that. But, you know, no matter how messed up it is, there's somebody out there that's got it twice as bad. Trust me. <laughs> you know? And so after a while, I just kind of looked forward to going to these meetings because it was all people like me. People, you know, some of them had my same story. Some of them had a completely different story. But we were all there for the same purpose. You know, we didn't. We didn't want to live that way anymore, but we didn't know how to live differently. And and through that program, I learned how to live differently. And and there's these key tags that you get, you know, at 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, nine months a year, you know. And sometimes um, there were times, you know, that it, it was hard. I mean, I just wanted to throw the towel in. There was times that I things weren't going my way and I want what I want when I want it, which is now because I'm an addict. And... Um, so things wouldn't go my way and there were so many times I just wanted to throw the towel in and getting clean my boyfriend we got clean like I said at the same time and so that was that was a blessing for me that I had that in-house support you know what I mean because I was home it was lonely my kids weren't there there were times that that I would just walk into their bedrooms and just sit there and like think oh my god I can't believe my kids got taken from me like I can't believe I'm that person and I just had to shut the bedroom doors and like I, it was, you know, and I couldn't get high to numb that out or not think about it because I wanted them back desperately. I wanted them back. And time just, you know, started going by and, and our relationship got so much better without the drugs. We didn't have to have the lies and, the, you know, we, we didn't have to lie to each other about stupid petty things that we didn't have to lie to each other about anyway. But that's what you do when you're high. You lie to people and, you, you know, you steal and you lie. And slowly all these things started getting better and then he found a job and um surprised me with his work ethic like just it was just amazing and then and then I ended up getting a, a like an actual real job you know an actual paycheck job not something where I sat down for a few hours you know and and uh, so we're both working and we got money and and things are looking up and and children's vision is giving us more time with the kids and my kids went with family. They first went to my dad and both of them were there and my stepmom, it look, it just didn't work out. Their marriage was suffering. Um, and it was being blamed on, you know, me and my kids having to be there. And so then my son went to my brother and my daughter went to my sister. And when my daughter went to my sister, I knew about it. I knew that was going to happen and I was okay with that. But my brother and I, there was always, whenever my son's father died my brother wanted to take my son and he knew then that I was on drugs and he's like look you can go to this rehab and I'll take your son and I wasn't ready for that at the time like I was having too much fun using and I was you know I wasn't going to admit that I had a problem then and, and in hindsight that would have been the best thing I could have done you know I should have accepted it then but but I didn't and so I my brother was very judgmental and I knew that my son going there would be an issue it was kind of like all at once my dad's wife is like she, they can't be here anymore. And so like one weekend, it was decided that my son would go to my brother's house, which I was totally not okay with. And I didn't even know about it. And I, on Easter Sunday, I think I called my dad's house to wish my son a happy Easter. And he's like, oh, he doesn't live here anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean he doesn't live here anymore? Like, he's my kid. Don't I have some say so in this? And, and he was my kid, but, but he was the state's kid at this point, you know. I can just remember going up to Children's Division and just... I was irate. Like, how is it possible that you guys move him to a completely, and, and I have, I don't not even, I should have been told about it. And this is, and I kept telling the caseworker, this is a bad idea. This is a bad, bad idea. And, and at this point I had 
you know, maybe six months clean time in. So they, what I had to say at this point had a little bit of merit. You know what I mean? I wasn't just, I wasn't going in there all high. You know, they knew that I was trying and that I was clean and I was starting to prove myself, but I was pissed. <laughs> and then that we had this FST meeting and I can remember like, it was like a turning point. I remember going in there and I kept telling the caseworker, this is just all bad. This is all bad. And we went in there. We were, it, we had just been granted unsupervised visits. So they're like, okay, you can have, you know, eight hours a day or whatever. And um, my brother and his wife were like, absolutely not. They don't deserve these visits. They're going to prison. We're keeping, and it was just like, everybody was just like, whoa. And I was just like, well, there you have it, you know? And I remember making eye contact with the caseworker and, and, I knew that she knew. And, and then there was a struggle with placement because I didn't have the support from my fam, from, you know, my family where my kids were, well, for my brother. Um, and I was still, it, w- it was so angry because I was so angry because here I'm like, look, I'm not doing drugs. I've got this clean time, but even six months after 20 years of using six months isn't anything to your family. You know, I hurt a lot of people in my addiction. I distanced myself. So I didn't have this great relationship with my brother and or, nor my sister for that matter, you know? So there was that, and, you know, we we still haven't completely worked through it. Finally, it was kind of the point where they were like, look, they've earned these visits, they're getting these visits, and, and maybe they're going to go to prison, maybe they're not, but we can't say you can't see your kids because you might go to prison, you know? Eventually, um, things worked out. I, my boyfriend and I ended up getting married. Um, our relationship, after we got clean, it was just amazing. Like, and it was, you know, we knew going into it, people are like, look, it's either going to make or break y'all. You know what I mean? Because when we got together, we were both using, we were both high. And so it was kind of, the relationship was kind of based on that a little bit, but, um, turns out there was more to it because once we got clean, we still loved each other. (laughs) Um, and so we got married and, and things just kept getting better. And we still had the criminal part to deal with. There was this criminal stuff hanging overhead. We had some serious charges that we were out on bond for. And we went through this family treatment court, and it was, you know, a really intense program, and we nailed it. I mean, we went through it, and and we surprised even ourselves and everybody else. It was like we went into court every month. They had nothing but good things to say. Hey, they've had all clean drops. They're showing up on time for their visits. They're, you know, everything. We were doing what we were supposed to do. And at first, it was kind of like we just... I don't want to say we were going to fake it to make it, but we were just going to do what we had to do to get the kids. And then we didn't think about, well, are we going to get high again? It was just in the moment. You know, right now, this is what we have to do. And um, after being clean and seeing that there's a different way to live, and it's so much better, you know, it's so much better. I mean, we just had to learn it. We just had to learn how to be accountable. We had to, you know learn how to deal with our emotions. Uh, we, there was so much to learn and, and it was difficult. It was very difficult. Don't think for one second that there weren't times that I wanted to throw the towel in and, and be done with it. But I would just go to, you know, I'd go to these meetings and I would just do what I had to do. Um, as big of a struggle as it was, I didn't use no matter what. 11 months after my kids were taken, they turned custody back over to my husband and I. Thanks for listening in this week, guys. Tune in next week to catch the end of Amy's story. Be sure to go by and check out the website where we have the blog and all the podcasts and go by the Facebook page as well. It's called Foster Care, An Unparalleled Journey. Leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice and we'd really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. Next week on Hope for Amy. But then as soon as we got them 
back in care, they're like, okay, now you guys got to go to court for this criminal stuff. And, I, and Children's Vision knew that that was there, but at this point it was like, we were doing so good that they couldn't just say, no, you can't have them. So they said, look, get a plan in action. And as always, if you know a child in danger of being neglected or abused, be sure and contact your local authorities, your Children's Protective Service, or call 1-800-4-CHILD. That's 1-800-4-A-CHILD.